Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. I am really thankful that God has given us the opportunity to be together again, and I pray that wherever you are and whatever it is that you're experiencing, uh, you will be enjoying the goodness of the Lord today, and uh, may, may God bless you. And may he strengthen you in, in, every, in every way. Uh, these are unique days. I guess I don't really have to tell you that. We all are aware that things are not um, as they normally have been. But um, I do believe that, that we will overcome as we remember who God is, what we are called to be, and where we are, um, where we are assigned to serve Him as intercessors, if we just keep faithful in our pursuit of what He's called us to do, we will not have issues. I mean, it may not be what we want it to be, but it will be in accordance with pleasing the God who has called us. And today, we want to take a look at a book in the Bible that is quite often overlooked. It is in the Old Testament, and it is the book of Zephaniah. Not Zechariah, but Zephaniah. Zephaniah and Zechariah are immediately um, near each other and um, separated by Haggai. And they really were in roughly the same contextual time frame because Zephaniah occurred before Babylonian captivity, and Zechariah came after the uh, captivity was, the full 70 years were, were finished. And so, um, I, um, I'm so, well, actually, Zechariah, just to clarify, was setting the stage for the return of the people. So, it was at the end of God's ordained pathway. Both of them, Zephaniah and Zechariah, were preparing the way for the plan of God to be known. And so uh, we have this really unusual task of seeing what happened in Zephaniah's life. We're going to be looking at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, where the word of the Lord says, Then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. The main issue we're going to be looking at is what it means to, uh, to be... Uh, titled a pure language and who these people are that are calling upon Jehovah. Before we get
get into that, let's talk about what Zephaniah really was as a prophet. Um, as I said, he was immediately before the captivity of the people in Babylon. In fact, um, his prophecy was concurrent with Jeremiah, and they both did um, an incredible work on behalf of um, the Lord right before the people were in their sin going to be judged and taken into a Babylonian exile. Uh, just a little bit of a history for us. Uh, Zephaniah, most scholars believe, was a grandson of the wicked king Manasseh. Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah. And um, Manasseh really did horrific things in the sight of the Lord. He turned to a degree toward the end of his life, but um, he really... He really was uh, a wicked, a wicked king. He was then followed by a son named Ammon, and Ammon only served for a, a brief time before he was assassinated by his own servants. This then set the stage for Josiah to become king at the ripe old age of eight. And um, the Bible says that Josiah set about to do what was right in the sight of God. Um, Josiah found the book of the law, most likely Deuteronomy, and set about cleansing the land and probably building on to some of the things that his grandfather Hezekiah had set in motion. Um, God blessed Josiah, and Josiah reigned for a little over 30 years. Now, it is very likely that both of them being of royalty, uh, he knew Zephaniah. They probably had interactions together growing up. Um, Josiah would be a king, Zephaniah a prophet. And Zephaniah spoke and prophesied about the downfall of Assyria, and he, he even talked about things that were more a part of the principles of God that many of them are being applied in our day, uh, as opposed to just speaking about the things that were happening right then. I, su I suggest that he, uh, Zephaniah, spoke during the, the, the high times that Josiah knew. Jeremiah came more prominently onto the scene after Josiah died, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and um, really came after the wicked king that followed, and he really pronounced what was coming 
immediately uh, upon the land through Babylon. So, Josiah was serving God. He, he, his coming had been prophesied hundreds of years before by name. And he he was blessed. I mean he he was um, he was adding to the kingdom. He was taking possession of lands that had been occupied by Assyria. Uh, he he saw the hand of the Lord move in in mighty ways. And and speaking of Assyria, you remember. From the time of um, Isaiah, when Isaiah spoke to um, Ahaz, the king, who was another one of Josiah's forebears, uh, Ahaz was planning to make alliances with Assyria, and Isaiah prophesied there in that famous chapter 7, Assyria's going to fall. Whatever you're going to try to do is not going to stand. It's not going to come to pass. So don't trust in it. And Ahaz would not ask of God in Sha'al. And it was then that that famous passage that is quoted so often at Christmas time, a virgin will conceive. You'll call his name Emmanuel was spoken. There, the significance of that was God wanted a... A depiction of sonship in those that he'd given authority to. And it was this Assyria that uh, during the time of Josiah was really crumbling. You know, you, you have Ahaz and then you have, you have uh, Hezekiah coming in. And so this would have been a great grandfather. Um, and but in your Josiah's time, you saw Assyria crumbling. Um, historians tell us that um, the Scythians, who were from what is now Kazakhstan or the southern slopes of of current day Russia, they were a nomadic, hostile, hostile uh, warring horsemen like tribe and. They were coming into northern Assyria, and Assyria was just basically falling apart. Now, this caught the attention of Egypt, who was aligned, allied with Assyria. The King James would lead you to believe that uh, Pharaoh Necho was coming up to fight against Assyria, but the the original language in the historical record says that he was really coming up to fight with Assyria and to strengthen them. And the reason Egypt was so concerned about Assyria was that they were a buffer against Babylon, who was on the rise. And so the narrative says that the Pharaoh received a word from God that he should go up and and really with an army and show a strong presence with Assyria. Now the problem is that when Pharaoh with this army that was really an impressive group was coming forward, they were passing through lands 
that Josiah was claiming. And so Josiah went out with an army to confront Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, hey, I've come up here. I was told by God to come up here quickly. I'm not threatening you. I'm going up north of you. And Josiah, I, I don't know why he did what he did. You know, he, was, he had turned to the Lord. He didn't inquire of the prophets. The, the Bible does not say he inquired, inquired of the prophets. He did not inquire of the priests. He just took a strong stand of national unity, I'm thinking, for good reason. He wanted to establish that this was God's land and you aren't just going to run over it. We don't really know what his motive was, but he went out to Megiddo and was killed. He was brought back to Jerusalem, buried there, and 10 years later, Israel was taken into captivity. Now, Assyria eventually collapsed. Babylon just took over, absorbed it. And so we we don't really understand what all the history might have been or should have been, but the prophecy of the Lord regarding Babylon was going to be. It didn't seem to matter in the history of Israel whether there was a righteous king that rose because as soon as he was gone, wickedness came again. And this was not pleasing to God. Now, how does this have any application for us? Well, we're in one of those time frames. We're in a a very important time frame because things that God has promised, things that God has prophesied for the times of the end are going to be. We're not going to be able to pray them away. Think about that. How would how, how would we be able to change the written word of God? We can't. We know that there are nations that are rising, nations that are squandering their, their God-given placement, and they're a shell of themselves. We know that God has spoken about Armageddon, which is Megiddo. We know that God has spoken about Mystery Babylon. That's coming. And we can see ourselves in many ways as modern-day Zephaniahs and Jeremiahs. We can be a force for righteousness. We can be as intercessors. But what's going to happen is going to happen. Um... The enemy, according to the book of Daniel, will try to change the times, probably because he knows that what God said is going to be, and he's trying every way he can to hinder the partners of God, to wear them out, as Daniel said, and to perhaps corrupt the inevitable or change the things that he knows have to be in place for God in his righteous stand to do what he's promised. That's the only hope for the enemy. And so we come to what Zephaniah prophesies here. He speaks about a pure language. He speaks about this group 
calling upon Yahweh to serve him in agreement. Now, let's talk about the pure language in light of why it's said, spoken of here, and its strategic timetable. Those of us who pray in the Spirit as saints in diversities of tongues, we have likened that to what happened at the Tower of Babel. And God, seeing the people, saying they were in agreement, that they had one language and that they could accomplish whatever they put their their thinking to. So God split the languages. We have recognized an efficacy of diversities of tongues um, in regard to being able to capture that wonderful uh, point of agreement and utilizing the languages of the Lord to bring them together so that there can be an empowerment there. We've taught on that in the past, but I don't really believe that that in itself is what's being talked about here in the pure language. There are those who speak about heavenly sounds and, you know, what you hear coming from the throne and, you know, the things when you're in the spirit realm, things that you hear and how that there is a most wondrous, luscious sound that's coming. Well, we hear that regularly. But in accordance with what pure actually means here, I don't, I'm not invalidating that kind of beauty sound, but I don't really see that that applies to what pure in pure language means. So, pure here is translated as something that indicates a metal or an element that has been refined by fire. And the end result of that would be a vessel or a weapon, the tip of an arrow, the tip usually, the tip of a spear, or something that is so beautifully accomplished that it reflects, that it shines that it bears about the light. And you take this word etymologically and extrapolate uh, where it's formed from and how else it's used, and it goes back to Barak, which is to kneel before a sovereign, for us, God, and to receive in humility and in submission a commissioning, a promotion for a particular identity or source of service. In between that word and the word translated a root that means pure, you also have a derivative of Barak, which means lightning, a flash So how does all this matter for us? Well, I believe that the pure language for those who call upon Yahweh, Jehovah, in agreement is where God has us now. We are before him. He is commissioning us for service as intercessors, as sons, as saints, as servants, and 
in conjunction, where else have we heard lightning? We know that lightning is as the arrows of God, as his sons in his quiver. We also know that lightning is part of the of the formula of voice, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, which is spoken of in Revelation, where we become as contrite, lifting our voice, caught into the secret place of thunder. God empowers and commissions us there as sons. We're sent forth as lightning, and we impact the place of God's choosing, the earthquake, as it were, so that things are put right, restored. If they've been upside down, they're turned right side up. All of that is in play. We also know that Satan fell. Jesus said he beheld him as lightning being cast down. So, in some ways, we are engaged in that kind of spiritual warfare to counteract the iniquity of the light bearer, chesed, uh, or the light bearer, Hillel, um, who was anointed to do the halal praise of God, bringing his ways about. All of these things play in. And, you know, and of course, anytime you speak of burning, you have to draw in the ba'ar, where the spirit of judgment and burning, God's mishpat, is put in place, and the function of barar, the function of burning, is known. All of these things are in play when you talk about the pure lips, the pure expression, the pure language. God still searches for an intercessor. Everything still begins with a voice. And you're talking about lightning. You're talking about um, being commissioned as sons for the times in which we're living. And you're talking about being in agreement all in anticipation of mystery Babylon, all in anticipation as nations rising and falling in accordance with what God prophesied. He's not making the nations do the things they're doing. They're just any more than he makes people do what they do. Um, but we're in a spiritual warfare. It is... It is um, something that happened long before man was created when Satan fell and angels rebelled. Um, We are restoring what God wants with sons, which is why Jesus came to allow us to be at the right hand of the Father and to be redeemed to the Father and to be intercessors with him. All of these things are true, but we have been put into this world for such a time as this. We see our own nation, if you're here in the United States, squandering away the motto, in God we trust. We see laws being disregarded. We see wicked laws being brought into play. Truly, the man of lawlessness is being brought forward. We see the rise of China an atheistic country. We see the rise of technology monitoring the people. We see the, 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 
the thing that many people in the world think we need, something that would be within each person to clearly identify who they are, what nationality they are, how they access their funds, you know, whether they're vaccinated or not, their state of health, all of these things. And then we see the way the Chinese government with the help of Google and a lot of our tech people are monitoring their people. If they don't tow the party line, they won't be promoted. They'll be subservient. All of these things prophesied. And so we live in this time frame. And we know that what God says in Mystery Babylon is going to play out. We know that the saints have to take a stand and the prophets have to take a stand because we're the ones that are going to be uh, directly coming against the queen of the the queen of heaven uh in in the 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 vile city uh, and nations that are going to be destroyed by god read it it's there Armageddon is there. So to me, Zephaniah, in his uniquely placed life and prophecy, was setting the stage for what is coming. Maybe there will be an arising of these Jeremiah prophets as well. Something is going to happen. The death of Josiah, something is going to happen that is going to trigger that. And, and set the countdown. But I believe that we're in a, the time of Zephaniah where we still have the ability to maneuver. We still have the ability to, to be a voice for righteousness. We still have the ability to work for the night is coming, to rise up and prepare the way of the righteous nation, prepare the way of the Lord, that ministry of the friend of the bridegroom um, to see these nations come before God to be commissioned as sons, as his lightning, to be commissioned as a finely honed, refined vessel and weapon and tool in the hand of the Heavenly Father. But it is going to be a point of agreement that is in alignment with the plan of God. How do we align with the plan of God? We meet with him as Elohim. We partner with the angels of Elohim. That ladder leading up as in Bethel sees Jehovah, the plan of God, looking down. Read it for yourself. It's there. We must work. But this pure language that is part of the sword of the Lord, that is part of the lightning, that is part of pure sonship and restoration, that is part of judgment and burning. You remember all the things that happened with fire in the New Testament, healings and touching the hem of his garment, quickening the callings and the giftings of the young, the children that they sought for Jesus to hapto, to touch them and ignite that fire, that purpose, that ways of God. 
All of those things lay before us in this window of time. And um, it, could it be? Now we're just we're just uh, we're just we're just yakking here. Okay, could it be that the Zephaniah moment leads up to Josiah death, and then that ten year period leads to the Jeremiah moment? Could that be the middle point of the seven years? Could that be the the end of the light when when we can work and then we see with rapidity those things that have been prepared brought into place and then I see I don't know. There's some people that love to debate these eschatological things and they live by it and they're absolutely you know how many time things i've seen in my 65 years on this earth where prophets and teachers have been absolutely sure of something and then they just scramble and reboot i love what bishop hammond from ci says you know what the 30 minutes of silence in heaven is as prophesied in revelation it's for the prophetic teachers to update and adjust all their charts So I'm not here to tell you in three years this is going to happen, in two years this is going to happen. We see the time frame. We see ourselves in this. We know, if you're paying attention at all, that we're in the times of the end. We're knocking on the door. And so for me, I see Zephaniah, who, you know, we've seen some tremendous visitations of the Lord. We've seen people crying out for righteousness. We've seen revivals. We've been living in a time akin to Josiah, who was calling for the people to return. We've seen that, and I pray we still see it. I believe we're going to be given a time frame to go and commission. I think these two years of of being held back have been for us to go before God and to get get aligned so that we can make that burst in going forth and making disciples, the gospel of the kingdom being preached throughout all the world for a witness, a martyria, and then will the end come. We are at that moment, and we've got to be ready. We've got to be seeking God. I believe we're at that time, and I see this in Zephaniah's time. Now, I do believe we're going to see some of the greatest visitations of the Spirit and the greatest miracles that anyone could ever give glory to God for. We're going to see them. We are, this pure language, this commissioning of sons, this placement in these ending moments in the timetable of the Lord for this section of time that we're serving are magnificent. The righteous, we're preparing the way of the Lord. The righteous nation come. Uh, it's, uh, it's incredible. So how do we align with this? We pray. We commit ourselves. We submit ourselves. This is a time of commissioning and a time of preparing us to 
serve God in commissioning of others. It's a time for, um, I pray that we won't miss it. I pray that we will be led by the Spirit. And I know you do too. But when I see this Zephaniah passage in in consideration of what he uh, what he represented and what he um, the placement in the timetable of God, I I pray that we will recognize the moment and invest ourselves wholeheartedly because Zephaniah was setting the stage for a period of great challenge. You think we're already in it. I'm sure we are. But there are more things coming. And the Lord warned about them. If, if, um, If we really are the intercessors and the sons and saints that God is calling us to be, we will see ourselves in this prophetic word and we will gladly align and submit. Another thing about Zephaniah is most people just discount him. They don't even look at him. Do you ever get that feeling as a remnant? The enemy comes and says, what are you you doing? You know, what are you really accomplishing? But yet, this is one of the most important prophets in one of the most important time frames. And uh, Jeremiah could not have done what he did without the influence of this man. Josiah could not have done, I believe, what he did without the influence of this man. This man was royalty, but he chose to step away from those royal courts and be a prophet. God called all of you. Each one of you had to lay down things gladly for the privilege of being able to serve our Father. We have so much in common with this essential work, this man of God, this prophecy. And um, I believe that the pure language in alignment with calling upon our precious Jehovah to believe for the restoration of God's plan and will in agreement and in accordance with nations throughout the world, with saints who are planted by God in nations and on every continent, we we simply must recognize the prophetic uh, the prophetic meaning of why God's letting you and me do this right now. It's an exciting privilege. We're honored. And doesn't matter if the other prophets, Isaiah, Samuel, who we admire, um, Gad, Nathan, even Jeremiah, 
you know, that's just some. John the Baptist, um, Zephaniah, key understanding for the times we're living in. So I release to you the vitality of the Spirit, the uh, accentuation and the emphasis of the calling God has given you, an awareness of the times in which we live, that you would be that intercessor who kneels before the Father and is on your face before him to be commissioned as arrows, as lightning, and that we would see the purity of that service as intercessors, commissioning, training, teaching, influencing for the kingdom, the nations of this world, that we would align with the plan and the timing of our Father, and that would be we would be faithful in that. Amen? Well, God bless you all. Uh, pure language, healings, cleansings, alignings, recruitment, empowering, uh, in alignment with the ways of God in this timetable for our Father who sits on the throne of grace. May you be blessed. May you be strengthened and encouraged. May you be healed. May you be strengthened in the things of the Spirit. And may you be faithful. That's what our Father is releasing to his saints today. Thanks for joining. Till next time, may God bless you and goodbye.